Coming up is a fireside chat with Zynga's VP of Corporate Development and Strategy, Dilakar Rao, recorded from an event that I helped organize with Paulin VC and Silicon Valley Bank. You're about to discover what Zynga looks for in their acquisition, if Zynga has any plans to go outside of mobile, trends in M&A, and how 5G and Stratia affect the mobile landscape. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. AppRadar will save you time with their unified and connected ASO workflow and save you money with their Apple Search Ads team who will optimize your campaigns and increase your ROAS. Go to appradar.com to learn more. Paulin VC gives app developers early access to their app store and advertising revenues, enabling them to scale quickly and efficiently without relying on outside funding, and more importantly, giving up their equity. Learn more at paulin.vc. Hey guys. So I, uh, I don't know if anybody listens to Deconstructor of Fun, but I have a tendency of being very combative. But I promised Chris Petrovic that I'm going to be very calm and cool and collected. But I, everyone should listen to the podcast because you can get some insights as to from some other people that are pretty good at the space. So, um, all right. First, let's just do a quick intro and how long you've been at Zynga and what's your background. Sure. Um, so I joined Zynga in 2015, so it's been four years. I uh, joined the corporate team, and uh, we've done, I think, seven deals over the last four years. Um, and uh, we've gone from small to to pretty big over the last year. So it's it's been a pretty good run, um, and, and uh, M&A has been a pretty important part of uh, the turnaround of Zynga over the last four years. Um, so prior to that, I, I've been in M&A and corporate pretty much, so that's my general background, so I won't bore you with the details. Yeah, I think we both have a... M&A banker background, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, the main things that we want to talk about is basically kind of your acquisition strategy or filter or, and then, you know, kind of what is kind of Zynga's strategy going forward? Those are the kind of two general subjects. So the first thing is like, so when you're looking at acquisitions, similar to the question that I was asked, like, what is it that attracted you to uh, the ones that you're looking at and what's going to attract you going forward? Sure. Um, so uh, I think historically Zynga has done both investments and, and acquisitions, um, but with the new management team, with Frank and team, I think we focus exclusively on M&A. Uh, we feel like that's a better bank for the buck for the company. Um, and then, so once we kind of had that filter, um, the next one was, okay, so what's going to move the needle for the company? Um, so, you know, when we did, for example, you know, Solitaire, you know, three years ago, uh, it was like a $40 million deal. Um, but it gave us, you know, a, a lot of DAU, and it was really profitable. And then the deal, and the top line actually was meaningfully, even though it was pretty small. Would we do the deal today? Probably not, right? So uh, as we've kind of scaled up, uh, you know, when I joined Zynga, I think we were like maybe seven, eight hundred million top line. Um, today, this year, we're going to end with one point five billion. Um, so a deal that was, 
interesting to us three years ago. You know, given where we are in the life cycle of the company, is not interesting to us anymore. So, broadly speaking, I think if you've listened to Frank um, chat, you know, we uh, we've gotten kind of the best returns for focusing on what we you know what Frank calls forever franchise. So, any mobile game, you know, that does you know, 100 million run rate, which we think can sustain for a few years, like three to five years, is what we'd call a forever franchise. So um, we've been on the lookout for those sorts of um, games and game studios. So that's been kind of the uh, the number one filter by, by far. And based on just reaction to both Graham Games and Small Giant um, and how well the stock has done, um, that, you know, we feel like shareholders have rewarded us for those sorts of acquisitions. So... Uh, we continue to, to mine that uh, mine that well again. Um, I think beyond that, look, we've you know uh, our ads business is pretty strategically important for us. Um, you know, it's predominantly words with friends, but um, you know we're also looking to grow our ads business in in you know in whichever way we can. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of you know I would say one and two, and then. In terms of other priorities, you know, you know, we have a whole bunch of other kind of filters, but I would say these are kind of the, the top two. Okay, great. I was going to go off script and say yep. something, ask you a question, <laughs> but I'm not going to do it. Um, no, I will actually. So, yeah, no, sure, um, go for it. So I follow the stock, and I re- either recommend it to my clients that I'm bullish or not bullish on the name, so I have vested interest in this, and he can answer this question or not. The one thing that I was really confused about was the peak acquisition. So you guys acquired like two or three games from peak right that yep. inherently was meant to drive more advertising right theoretically or more traffic to advertising was that or that was that not the strategy for the two card games uh no the the, the so peak card game was so we did the solitaire deal we already had poker um and then peak was interesting because um you know, in Turkey, it's pretty much like a captive audience. Um, you know, so they have whatever when we did the deal, three million DAU or so, three to four million. And uh, Peak pretty much was the number one uh, card game in Turkey. And 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 many of the geos around the world, um, you know, card games are very local and they're culturally le- relevant. So it's not going to go away. Uh, it's you know there are very few like besides solitaire and poker maybe bridge is kind of a global card game but really there's not that many global card games but there are lots of local culturally relevant card games which resonate with local audiences so that was kind of the strategy there was like hey look turkey and turkey is kind of like our top 5 poker market as well right uh-huh. so we were learning not only about the local card game but also getting a, a huge kind of peek into how do they interact with their poker audience so um, and also it was profitable. So the kind of the second part of the filter, which I forgot to mention, which Jer will be really angry, is we want to make sure like that the studios we acquire are uh, at least, you know, I would say 20% uh, EBITDA margin for profitable studios, kind of because being as a public company, that's kind of where we are in our life cycle. Uh, when I joined Zingo four years ago, we were like 1% EBITDA margin. Now we've kind of climbed our way to 20%. So uh, any deal I show Jer that's below 20%, he's going to, Laugh me out the door. So, gotcha. um, so how competitive it is out there on acquisitions? Like, uh, you know, when you're doing with Small Giant, you know, Fox Next is rumored to be uh, for sale. Like, you know, how many people are out there that are throwing up checks for six hundred million? Um, it, it is surprisingly pretty competitive. Um, there's, um, I mean, I won't name names, but there are you know large sizable gaming companies both east and west who uh, we compete against um, heavily in in all these. Uh, transactions. 
Um, and and end of the day, you know, both small giant and Graham. Obviously, we those are pretty sizable deals. But I think what also won the deals for us was uh, both the culture and the vision that our management team uh, was able to convince um, small giant and Graham. You know, Wisinga was the right home for them. I think that was pretty important. Um, how could we help them? I think that was important. Uh, it wasn't just that. Oh, you know, you're willing to pay me the most money. Um, so I would say that's part of it. So in terms of just and also recently, I'm sure you guys know, like there's ad networks getting into uh, looking at gaming studios. Um, so we're competing against not just, you know, uh, the traditional gaming companies, but also ad networks and partners and also private equity to some extent is starting to, you know, if you really believe like, you know, Wungle got acquired by Blackstone and, you know, CBC just gave a bunch of money to IronSource. So those are, uh, we see more kind of non-traditional buyers entering the space which is kind of good uh, which means if private equity gets in it means they believe it's a long-term sustaining business so which is always good for the overall industry uh, but it you know it's more competitive for sure um, your focus has been primarily on mobile for quite a while actually but uh, is there i mean within mobile are there other genres or other ideas within mobile but are you actually considering going outside of mobile um in and more traditional game development you know chasing the fortnite money <laughs> Um, I think so. Again, if if you hear Frank um, speak on this topic, I think like both five G and kind of cross platform are two things that he thinks are are you know are the future. So so cross platform obviously means like you know something besides mobile. Um, are, so are we going to go do a cross platform deal today? Probably not. But you know, shouldn't be surprised if something pops up. On our radar, that's I mean, interesting. I mean, since ninety nine percent of your management team is from <laughs> EA, I figure that's probably down the type. So, the other one, more of a tougher question about Zynga, is like evidently Crunchbase is, says that you guys have done thirty three acquisitions to date, I, and that sounds low, but I, I'm not sure. But the majority of those have been either shut down or absorbed since, particularly since Frank took over. Yep. Well, over the years, anyway. Um, you know how how different. So how are you guys doing M&A differently so that's kind of not the result? So, um, you know, like I said, we, uh, I think a lot of the teams over the years um, got absorbed uh, as part of the overall company. So I can't really talk to most of those deals. Um, so the ones that we've done uh, subsequently since Frank joined were kind of the four deals, which is really a solitaire deal, the Peak Games, um, Graham Games and Small Giant. So um, I think in in... Uh, so the solidarity game was it, it was a uh, oddball of a little bit of a deal because the founder made it very clear he didn't want to join Zynga so you know it was just an asset deal we, if we had a team we could run it you know it was two brothers who were running it so we figured we could find two people uh, that could take it over and, and run it internally and so it wasn't uh, so it was a very different deal but I think the others um, I think we've we really wanted to make sure like you know the, the, the founding team wanted to stay and, and continue to grow the grow the game and grow the franchise, um, especially also because we went into basically three different geographies, like between London, Istanbul, and, and Turkey, uh, where we have no operations. So if, if we wanted to make sure like the founders were not going to like up and leave. Uh, so that was a large part of our diligence. Um, and then end of the day, we also you know made it very clear that nothing was going to change from their day-to-day perspective. Um, we, we, we obviously did some integration, but a lot of the integration we offered to them was really more as a service, like, you know, Hey, these are our capabilities in user acquisition. And this is what we can do for you on, on, on product management. Like, you know, and we kind of gave them a menu of options and let them choose where they needed 
or help. So if we didn't force them and say, hey, this is a Zynga way of doing everything and just kind of go and change things overnight, I think that was a huge part of uh, the reason why they're successful and, and the founders are really happy that they joined Zynga. So I think that's been a, also a big difference maybe compared to prior deals. So, so Yeah, right. Rather than create the city-state model, it's a frank yeah. frankism, right? So the, the city-state model so they remain independent and get out of the belly of the beast, you know, in San Francisco. Um, so as you look at trends that are happening out there, 5G, 5G is the one that kind of doesn't really, I don't get how that's going to re-energize mobile. I just don't, but I'd love to know what the thoughts are there. But, um, but you know, 5G, cross-platform, free-to-play, uh, uh, all the stuff on console mobile. I mean, what are the trends that you guys are looking for? You know, the question that they asked before, like, what is an, the investments, or what investments can these people make in order to make games that you'd be interested in, you know, three or four years from now? That type of thing. So I think, so one of the themes that's been definitely interesting is, you know, is uh, rise of hyper casual, um, just ad based games, which is kind of, um, it's really hard to think about games in which users only last for like, I don't know, a week or 10 days or a month. So it's, uh, but it's, it's, it's been around now for more than two years and it seems to be something sustainable. So we'll see. I don't know. It, it feels like uh, definitely it's because it's kind of the complete opposite of the type of games that we would want to build, which are more like social, long-term engagement and keep users around. Like Words of Trends is like 10 years old and Zynga Poker is 10 years old. So these are long-running franchises. Those are the types of games that we really want to end of the day buy. And that's what we believe with Small Giant and with Gram Games is we, when, when we bought um, Gram Games, it they really weren't on the they hadn't really made $100 million in revenue, but we could see that the game was on the trending towards it. And we could, and we believe looking at the data that it was sustainable and, and we could easily see a world in which this thing keeps growing for the next few years. So, um, uh, you know, I know hundred million may sound like a huge number for a lot of the audience, but you know, the reality is if you find the right hook, people will come and play and, and, you know, and spend money in your game, whether it's through advertisements or through in-app purchases. Um, and, and a lot of the success stories in gaming, obviously there's been, you know, the, the Graham game guys made a complete pivot. They were a hyper casual studio to begin with and then said, we're going to go from Istanbul to London and then we're going to go from hyper casual to IAP based games. And those are two huge pivots and sounded crazy at the time, but they kind of pulled it off, you know, hats off to them. Um, so, you know, definitely there for every, all the success stories, there's been lots of you know, pivots along the way, and uh, it's, it's doable. Uh, any questions from the audience at all? Brian, there was. So, with 5G, how do you feel about things like Stadia and Apple Arcade and more things taking over that Zenga space and more people having higher access to higher quality gaming, uh, and it's easier and simpler to do that, how do you feel that will affect Zenga and what's the strategy to combat that in a way? Or do you think it won't have any effect at all? Well, I think like if you look at mobile, I mean, gaming in general is a huge market and mobile gaming is what, 150 billion. I think this pie is large enough for uh, both the free-to-play model and subscription to be there. Um, we think, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how Apple and Google, you know, how that works out with the subscription model. Um, I would argue that our quality of free-to-play games, especially by large, like Candy Crush is an amazing game, like Wars of Trends quality, I think is pretty amazing. So um, I don't know that the quality of those games are any better. Um, but, you know, in terms of the user appetite for, um, you know, playing 100 
curated games, which you may or may not like, I think is a very different experience than kind of going to the app store and, and trying something on your own. Um, and, and to the extent, uh, you know, um, and I think also if you're a developer, you know, the rev share model, I don't know if that really works for all those hundred guys or whoever gets preselected. Um, so I think, I think it will, we'll see. It's early, it's still early days. So, but I think in general, like, you know, uh, we, we are pretty confident that, you know, our free to play model is, is good, at least for the near term. Um, and if subscription takes our big time, then, you know, we'll, we'll pivot. So. I'm not going to even comment because if you listen to my podcast, you can listen to me rant and rave about how terrible Stadia is going to be. Stadia is like DOA, <laughs> and Apple Arcade is a really not smart idea, just in general. So, but I, I'm not going to go about that now. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what. I did do a project for Google um, a few years ago, and um, and and the and the fundamental problem with Stadia is that they didn't do content and tech at the same time. So. Now they hire, you know, Jade Raymond, who's an amazing operator, but knows has no experience with cloud-based technology whatsoever, right? She's made Splinter Cell and Assassin's Creed, right? They have no content strategy. Without a content strategy, you can't build a platform because you're going to have to take the PS4 and the Xbox out of cold, dead hands of uh, PS4 and Xbox players. So, and if they don't differentiate on platform, then it's over. Um, forget Apple Arcade. Any other questions? Uh, are you experimenting with uh, subscription-based monetization in your games? If so, what is the uh, initial findings? If not, do you ever consider? Um, short answer: I don't know. If we, I think we've definitely probably tried some small tests, but it's not a huge part of our business. Um, so. I don't know about your business. Yeah, they didn't do anything with poker. So, like the in-app subscriptions type things, where you're you're getting currency over a period of time, you know, like that kind of the RPG stuff. Yeah, no, so that's the thing. That's why I say I don't know. Yeah. So we may very well have tried it. Um, but not a pure subscription. Yeah. Anybody else? All right. <laughs> that's it. I got the cut off. Thanks for coming, guys. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.